know it's just because he lives. Amen. No matter what your tomorrow looks like, no matter whether you know what tomorrow holds, we can face it because he lives. Amen. And I'm thankful that he is with us this morning, this evening rather, and I'm just uh, thankful to see you in the house of God. I pray that you've come to choose the better portion this evening and just sit at his feet and receive whatever it is that he has for you. Amen. So one more time, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Ask that he anoint my myself and that he anoint you and that everything is done to glorify God. Amen. Father God, we just thank you that you are in this house tonight. I'm thankful, Father God, that you live, that you're not still in the grave, but you've overcome sin and death and you've overcome the grave, Lord God. And because of that, we can live as well. So, God, I pray that you would lift us up above all the distractions this evening. You would lift us us up above all of the things we might have faced or encountered through this week. Give us faith. Give us courage, Lord God, because you live. I pray for your anointing to be upon me, upon my mind, my body, my spirit, my mouth, my words. I pray that you would touch everything about me this evening. That your words would come forth with clarity, with understanding, Father God. And always, as always, I pray that you would touch your people as well. Touch their hearts, touch their minds, touch their lives. I'm thankful, God, that you've already touched their need. And you're going to meet it according to the riches and glory. But now, Father, touch their soul that it might receive your word and receive it with gladness. So that you would be glorified tonight. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Tonight I want to talk to you about the armor of God. And be looking at Ephesians 6, 10 to 20. And before I get to that, there's a couple of things that I just want to share. And first of all, I want to go to 1 Corinthians 9, 24, that tells us that we are to run in such a way that we might win and that we are to fight in such a way that we might be victorious. Amen. But how many of you know, sometimes that's easier said than done. How many of you know that sometimes races can make you weary And fights can beat you up and knock you down. The truth is sometimes if we're honest with ourselves, we don't feel like running. And if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we don't feel like getting back up because we've been knocked down so many times. Lately, it seems like in my life and my wife's life, my family's life, that it's been one big fight after the next. Not a fight amongst ourselves, not an internal fight, not, not a fight between ourselves. It's not a marital fight I'm talking about. It's, it's not a, a financial fight or a family fight I'm talking about. It seems like it's just been one fight after the next against the powers of darkness that want to keep us from running and keep us from winning. You know, there's those kind of fights that we can face in our life. It's the kind of fight where you're just waiting for the bell to ring so you can sit down and get a breath Just so you can sit down and get enough strength to get through one more round. You're not even worried about the 12th round. There's some fights that come into our life where you just need enough strength to get through one more round or just get through one more day. Those are the kind of fights that can come into our life, church. Have you ever been there? Been there to that place where it's one punch after the next. Where it seems like it's one pothole after the next. It seems like it's one hurdle or one storm or one heartache or one ugly, ungodly giant after the next coming against our lives to keep us from running and to keep us from our victory. It's the kind of fight, like I said just a while ago, that if we were honest with ourselves, we would tell one another. I actually heard the devil's voice say, Jeff, if you would just give up, I'll leave you alone. 
If you would just throw in the towel, I'll leave you alone. If you would just stop running, I'll stop fighting. But how many of you know the devil's a liar? He's never going to quit. He's never going to give up. He's never going to throw in the towel, even if you do as well. The truth is all of us will experience these kinds of spiritual battles in our life if we haven't experienced one already. The reality is every single one of us will find ourselves in a fight like that where you might not feel like getting back up, church. But the reality is, this is why Paul writes a letter to the Ephesian church in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, because the churches were getting beat up, because the people were getting knocked around, because the people were getting knocked down, and he wanted to make sure that they were able to get back up. So he writes in the beginning of this letter, when he talks about the armor of God, the first thing he says to them is, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You see, sometimes we might be weak, but we can be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Paul was saying to the church, it doesn't matter how much you've been beat up. It doesn't matter what kind of punch the the, the devil has thrown. It doesn't matter what situation you might find yourself in today. I want to encourage you to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And this is what begins this story or begins this passage about the full armor of God. You see, Paul wrote this because he understood the degree of danger and the, the, the degree of difficulty that we would face in these kind of fights. He understood what it meant to fight. At the end of his ministry, he said what? He said, I fought the good fight. I ran the race. I kept the faith. There was a point in his ministry where he lifted up his shirt and he bore the marks of the battle that was he was in. The stripes that he bore. The beatings that he went through. The shipwrecks that he went through. And, and he was encouraging the people the same way. No matter what you, place you find yourself in, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You see, the reality is when we're weak, he's strong. And we've got to rely on him. We've got to depend on him. We've got to be strong in him and in the power of his might, church. He understood the degree of difficulty we might go through. And that's why he wrote these words. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. So that you'll be able to stand firm that you would be immovable against the schemes of the devil. The reality is the devil has a scheme. I hope you understand that the devil has a plan just like God has a plan. The devil has a scheme just like God has a scheme. The devil has a design for your life and my life just like God has a design and a scheme for my life. The, 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 the only difference is devil's is exactly opposite of God's. The devil has a plan. His plan isn't to send us flowers when we're down. His plan is to destroy us while we're down. His plan, church, isn't to bless you. His plan is to harm you. His plan isn't to give you life and give you life more abundantly. His his plan and his scheme and his design is to destroy your life and take your life away from you. His plan isn't to give you a song. His plan isn't to give you a dance. His plan is to throw whatever burden on you so you no longer have a song and you no longer have a dance. His plan is to put so much on you that you know that you're no longer looking up, but you're looking down. That's his plan. That's his scheme. That's his design. And we have to be aware of it, church. His plan isn't to give you hope. And it's certainly not to give you a future like God's plan is. His plan is to make 
your life hell right now and to take you to hell if he can. That's the devil's plan and that's the devil's design. And it's exactly why Paul said, put on the full armor of God so that you might be able to stand firm against this scheme and against this plan so that you might be able to come out victorious on the other side. Jesus reveals Satan's plan in John 10.10 when he said the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Understand there is nothing else on Satan's mind than how to destroy you. The only thing he thinks about all day and the only thing that he wants his demons to think about is how he can destroy our lives, church. Nothing else is on his mind other than how can I bring Brother Willie down? How can I bring Pastor Jeff down? How can I bring my, the, the, our sister down? How can I bring down the church? That's all he's got on his mind. That's all that he reasons. That's all that he thinks all day. How can I destroy that marriage? How can I destroy that family? How can I destroy that son, that daughter, that business? Those fine. How can I destroy that ministry? That's all that's on his mind, church. Nothing else other than how can I destroy them? How can I destroy that marriage? How can I destroy that mind? How can I destroy that family? How can I destroy those things? How can I destroy their peace? They seem a little bit too happy today. They got one too many songs, so how can I destroy that? You know, I've thrown a lot of stuff into their life, but they're still at peace, and they still seem to understand who Jehovah Shalom is. And so I'm going to unleash, I'm going to unleash a little bit more hell into their life. So I can destroy that peace and destroy that hope and destroy their tomorrow, church. That is Satan's sole goal for our lives. And it's completely opposite of the Lord's. Satan's battle plan is a very simple one. And we need to understand it. He doesn't complicate things for his army. He doesn't complicate things for his minions. He doesn't complicate things for his demons. He doesn't make it difficult for one-third of the heavenly host that he recruited to rebel against God. He doesn't make it difficult for them, church. He has three directives that he gives every single one of his troops. Steal, kill, to destroy. When they go out to battle every morning, every afternoon, every night, those are the only three directives Satan gives. Steal, kill, destroy. Wreak havoc in their lives. That's the kind of enemy we face. That's the kind of enemy that is coming against us as individuals. It's the kind of enemy that's coming against your life, your mind, your peace, your family, your fun, all of that, church. We must be aware of the scheme and the plan that the devil has for our life, or we will not be prepared to fight. We will not be prepared to win. What we have to realize, and I'm not gloating on the devil, I'm getting to the good part. But I want you to understand that when it comes to this battle and it comes to this fight, it comes to the war, we have to realize we're not battling against some ignorant fool. We need to realize that we're not fighting against some amateur adversary. He raised up one-third of the heavenly host to rebel against God, and now he's using that army to fight against you. The Bible tells us that our adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion seeking whom he might devour. Devour. He's seeking someone to chew up and swallow up and destroy. That's who our adversary is. He's not some, you know, low-ranked opposition. He's not an individual that's going to take a dive for anybody, church. He wants to devour us. We are fighting against an earthly and fleshly foe. It's why Paul goes on in this passage in Ephesians. In Ephesians, it reminds us that our struggle, our battle, our fight, this war that we are waging is not against flesh and blood. 
It's not against an earthly opponent that we can uh, put up our dukes with. It's not that kind of fight that we're fighting. But against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. There's things going on right now that you and I can't see if we don't have spiritual eyes. I want you to know that there is a war waging around your life right now. It's waging war against your marriage, against your son, against your daughter. Listen, I got family too. I can feel when a war is raging against my family, and I know it rages against yours as well. But there is a war raging, and the only way that we can win this war is if we know the devil's schemes, know the devil's plan, that we can be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, and we got on the right armor. It's the only way we can win. We're not fighting against those things. He goes on to say that we are fighting against mighty powers of darkness who rule this world. They control this world. They manipulate this world. They drive the direction of this world. And against wicked spirits in the heavenly realms. Understand, we're not fighting against the frailties of man like I said. We're not fighting against the frailties of human individuals. We are fighting against supernatural foes. And the only way that we can win is in the supernatural. It's what Paul is trying to tell us. That we have to be able to be properly equipped in order to win this fight. We're not fighting against a bunch of untrained soldiers. Listen, even though Satan's fate is sealed, thank God. Even though Satan's fate is sealed until then, like I said, he's going to fight like he's never fought before. Every punch that the devil throws, he throws like it's the last punch he will ever throw in his life. Because it could be the last punch he ever throws. So he fights like it's the last fight he'll ever have. When he comes into your life in the morning and he winds up, He's winding up like it's the last punch you'll ever throw. And trust me, if you are not armored up, trust me, if you're not prayed up, trust me, if you're not faced up, that punch will knock you into tomorrow. Because that's how powerful he is. And it is not to gloat on him. It is not to glory in him, church. Because the fact is, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. The fact is that if God is for me, no one can stand against me. The fact is that there is no weapon formed against me that can prosper if I'm properly prepared. Not anybody can claim that verse. I hope you understand that. Not any bozo walking down the road. No unrighteous individual walking down the road. No ungodly individual walking down the road can claim there's no weapon formed against me that can prosper. Boom! He'll find out real quick. But when you are prayed up, when you are faced up, when you are spirited up and Jesus stopped and worded up, it doesn't matter what the devil throws at you. It might, it might move you, but the Bible says that you won't be cast headlong. You, you, might, you might do one of these, but you're not going to fall down because the Bible says God holds you with his hand. Listen, you got to be in a position where God is holding you or you will be knocked all over the place. This is what Paul is trying to teach his followers. This is what Paul is trying to teach the churches that are going through a time of difficulty. Listen, the devil was letting loose on these churches because the last thing he wanted was the gospel to go forward and the power of God to go forward. So he unleashed hell upon them. And Paul knew it. He got word of it. 
I've got to build up these churches. I've got to keep them strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. I've got to tell them how to be equipped for battle. And that's how he writes this passage. Listen, I'm not trying, like I said, to boast in him. But the power, the the devil has the power to throw a knockout punch. The devil has the power to knock you out, church. He has the power. Listen, and some of us have been there. He has the power to knock you out of your faith. He has the power to knock you out of your marriage. He has the power to knock you out of your family. It's happened to some of us. Some of us have been knocked in that direction. And what what Paul is trying to teach us is if you don't want to be knocked out of your faith, if you don't want to be knocked out of your promise and knocked out of of the, the place that God has for you, you must put on the full armor of God. Amen. Because it's the one thing that the devil can't penetrate. Listen, it's exactly why Paul said, and I'm going to read on in Ephesians 6.13. Therefore, he says, after he gives this big explanation, and you all have heard that, that word therefore, you go back to see what it's there for, okay? Therefore, he said, because we do not battle against flesh and blood. Therefore, because the devil does have a knockout punch. Therefore, because our fight is against powers of darkness. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. And one of the things that I want you to notice when he, the first three elements we're told to put on and the last we're told to take up. The elements that I'm going to look at today are the first three and it's, those are the ones that we are to put on. Those are in verses 13 to 15 and then Next time on part two, we're going to look at the rest. But anyway, it says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Understand, you've got ground God wants you to have and the devil wants to take it away. So you'd be able to stand your ground because what the devil wants to do is take you off the ground God promised you and take you off the ground God gave you. So you need to learn to how to stand firm on your ground. It's not devil's ground. It's not the devil's marriage. It's not the devil's mind. It's your ground that God gave you. And you need to learn how to protect it so you can stand firm on your ground. And after you have done everything... Understand the, the effort that, that he's taught. After you've done everything, you can't wimp out halfway through this process and expect to, to be safe. He's saying after you've done everything. You see, sometimes God has to come to us in the middle of our problems and say, Have you done everything you can? Have you done it? Have you done what I told you to do? Have you prayed? Have you fasted? Have you sought God? Have you sacrificed? Have you come out from among them? Have you, have you done everything? See, the reality is sometimes, I'm telling you, and I don't want to get off track here, but sometimes we don't do diddly and we expect God to do it all. Deliver me from the enemy. Deliver me from Goliath. Tear down the walls. Give me victory. And we never pick up this. We never come to prayer meeting. We never do all the things that God gives us and able to win. And we want victory. Not going to happen. Paul is telling us exactly how we can have victory over the enemy, over the devil's schemes in our lives. After doing everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth put on around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness put in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Those are the first three you put on. Then he says, in addition to all of that, all of that armor, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. 
take up the helmet of salvation and take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God and pray at all times in the spirit on all occasions for all sorts of needs. He says, this is what is needed to win the war. Exactly what Paul outlines right here. If you want to be victorious, if you want to win, if you don't want to be overcome by the enemy, if you don't want to be sucker punched, if you don't want to be knocked out, if you want to stand firm on your ground after doing, you do everything. And this is what that's what you need to do, church. Listen, when I'm talking about a fight or a battle, I'm not talking, like I said, about a physical fight or a physical battle. When I talk about this war that's raging and going on, it's not a war in Libya. It's not a war in Iraq. It's not a war in Afghanistan where we disperse, you know, physical soldiers to. And we're not fighting some physical being. We're fighting supernatural. Uh, I'm talking about a war for the supremacy of our soul. I'm talking about a war, church, a fight for the future of our souls and, and our family souls and the world's souls. We need to be fighting for brothers and sisters. We need to be fighting for the lost, not just for ourselves. We're in a fight that's for the world, for souls, church. It's not just about you and me. It's about those that are lost. We'll look at that again as I go. But this is the kind of war I'm talking about, a fight for the kingdom of God and a fight against the kingdom of darkness. This is the kind of fight we're in. I'm talking about a war that we cannot see unless we have spiritual eyes. Unless we're in a place spiritually with God, we can't see the things that are going on around us and God can't reveal. I'm talking about a war that we can't understand without spiritual understanding. I'm talking about a war that cannot be won without spiritual weapons because we battle not against flesh and blood. It is a supernatural battle, so we need supernatural weapons. We're going to look at that. It's a war that's taking place in the unseen world. It's a war that's taking place in the heavenly realms. It's a war that's taking place in the shadows of darkness, church, where we cannot see without God and we cannot win without his weapons, not our own. The sad reality is so many of us find ourselves in a supernatural battle trying to beat up the devil on all our own. We're trying to use our own wisdom, our own strength, our own skills, our own talents, our own knowledge, our own influence, our own position, our own power, trying to use all of that. In order to win a supernatural fight, I want you to know, I don't care what kind of physical, natural abilities you have, it won't move the devil. It won't scare the devil, it won't frighten the devil, and it has no power over the devil. It is a supernatural fight, and we need some supernatural power in order to overcome. Sad reality, like I said, we're fighting without God. So often we're fighting without Jesus. So often we're fighting without the Word of God. So often we're fighting without the Spirit of God in our corner. We're not, we're not using the tools and the weapons and the equipment we have been given to overcome. And we wonder why we're losing. Because we haven't put on the armor. Because we forget who we're fighting. And that is a supernatural war. Listen, if we want to win... If we, want the, if we want to save our own souls, if we want to save the souls of those around us and in our lives, church, if we plan to advance the kingdom of God, we better be prepared to fight. We better be equipped and we better have the, the right weaponry established in our lives. Every day, we better ask ourselves, am I ready for battle? Every day when you go up, am I ready for battle today? 
you better take a self-examination and make sure in a spiritual sense that you've got on the full armor of God, that you've got the equipment that's necessary to overcome church. Do I have on my armor? Am I equipped enough to win this war today? Am I using the right weapons? I couldn't help but think of just like, you know, I'm a very impatient driver. You can ask my wife and she'll confirm that. But I'm a very impatient driver. I've gotten much better over the years. And I'm not about to say that I've ever done anything vulgar towards, uh, uh, you know, another bad driver because I haven't. But my point is this. Even in a situation like this, when you're driving down the road and you got somebody that doesn't know how to drive, cuts you off and swerves you off the road. I'm wondering what kind of weapon comes out at that point. I'm wondering what kind. I'm wondering sometimes what comes out of the sheath and what comes out of the mouth and what comes out of the mind. You, You see, that's part of the battle. That's part of what the devil will use to bring you down. And the reality is, if you're not weaponed up right, you're going to use the wrong weapon. And you're going to do damage instead of uh, instead of something else. We need in every area of our life, we've got to make sure that we are using the right weapons. We've got to ask ourselves, am I, do I have the right weapons or am I walking out vulnerable today? Is there something that I forgot to cover? Is there a piece I forgot to put on? Did I remember to bless my son and remember to bless my daughter? Did I remember to pray for my marriage? Did I remember to pray for my wife? Did I remember to ask God to lead me not into temptation, but to deliver me from evil today? Did I thank him for his promises that there is no weapon formed against me that shall prosper? Do I bother to thank him, God, that I know that I can do all things because you're giving me strength today? Do we do that, church? Do we properly cover ourselves? Or do we run out there into the world and run out into the workplace and try to handle it all on our own? Guess what? You're going to lose. Somewhere along the way, the devil's going to swing at you and you don't even have any idea that it's coming. And it's going to knock you flat. Because you did not prepare yourself. You see, the reality is, some of us, sometimes, church, our days... Not necessarily our life, but some of our days are destined for destruction simply because we are not equipped. Simply because we have not put on the full armor of God. And we wonder why when we get to the end of the day that we're so beat up and battered. Now listen, I'm not saying you can put on the full armor of God and you can have it. And the devil will still come after you. But he will keep, this stuff will keep you from being knocked out of your faith. This will keep you from being knocked out of a relationship with God. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you might have even been in that place where you got hit so hard you said, oh, you you took a break. You walked away from God. And God is trying to get us to that place where we can put on the armor and fight and march once again. Amen? Listen, here's what we have to keep in mind. If you're going to win this war and win this battle, you can't do it in your own strength and your own ability. The Bible says it's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And the reality is, if we want to win, we better start using his spirit. If we want to win, we better start using his word. If we want to win, we better start using his power, because my power can't move anything. The truth is we can't win with our own philosophies. We can't win with our own understanding. We can't win with our own intellect or intelligence. The Bible tells us that in all of our ways... We are to acknowledge Him. And what that means, in all of our ways, we are to put Him in the proper place in our lives so that He can direct our paths. It's not talking about just saying, okay, God, I know you're there. I acknowledge you now. 
Okay, now you'll direct my paths. That's not what it means. We can all do that. Oh, hey, God, I know you're there. What acknowledge means in this passage of Scripture, you are to not lean on your own understandings, rely or depend on your own intellect or strength. You are to acknowledge Him. You are to put Him in the rightful place in whatever situation you're in. Rightful place in your marriage. Rightful place in your mind. Rightful place in your business. Rightful place in your ministry. Rightful place in in your family so that He can direct your paths. The only way God can lead you is if he's on the throne of your heart. You know that? That's why it means you got to put him in the rightful place. Otherwise, he's chasing you around all the time instead of him leading you. Listen, I've been there. We've all been there. God chasing us instead of God leading us. But this is what we've got to learn. Acknowledge him so he can direct your paths. Listen, when you walk in your own ways, I walk in my own ways, we end up in a mess. Prodigal son walked in his ways. Look where it got him. David for a while walked in his. You know, Jonah walked in his. We talked about it last week. We end up where we don't want to be. So we've got to, if we want victory, we can't depend on ourselves. Listen, our earthly hands, our earthly skills, our earthly abilities cannot defeat our supernatural enemy. Whatever the skills you might have, whatever the talents and the natural abilities you have cannot defeat a supernatural enemy. The other reality is that our words don't scare the enemy. Our earthly natural words don't scare the the enemy. They don't scare a supernatural enemy. I don't care how many threats you make at them. I don't care how loud you shout at them. I don't care whatever shenanigans you try to, to do. Our words on their own cannot do not scare the enemy. They must be the word words of God. This is what scares the devil. This is what scares the enemy. This is what causes him to tremble. And when these words begin to come out of your mouth, guess what? The devil's the one running and you're the one chasing. So you need to understand, it's not even your natural words. They have no power over a supernatural enemy. Our natural mind cannot figure out the schemes of the devil. Our natural mind cannot out-scheme or outmaneuver and outmanipulate or outthink our supernatural enemy. We need the mind of Christ. We need to have the, the Word of God touch our mind. We need to have the Spirit of God touch our mind. It's the only way that you will be able to keep ahead of the enemy, by having the mind of Christ. Our natural strength. I don't care how much you work out. I don't care how fit or buff you are. I don't care how many gym memberships you have, how many pull-ups you can do, push-ups you can do, squats you can do. I don't care. Our natural physique and ability cannot defeat a supernatural enemy. We must have the full armor of God put on in our lives if we expect to win. The idea that I have or the, the, the belief that I have this evening is that God is calling us to get dressed. And what He's asking us to put on is the full armor of God. And in the last few minutes, I'm just going to look at three, because what I want you to notice, like I said earlier on, is that the first three pieces of the armor mentioned are to be put on. And they mentioned, they're mentioned in 13 and 15. The rest we'll look up on, an, on part two, and, and those are the, the, the items that are to be taken up. And they're in verses 16 through 18. But for now, what I want you to understand about those first three is that it is only through God's grace that we are able to put on 
the first three pieces of armor. It is only by God's good work and God's grace and God's mercy that these first three pieces of armor are even available in our lives. Because without these, nothing else matters. The reality is these three items are provided only by God, by God, and they need to be put on by Jesus Christ, actually. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of salvation, all of which must be applied by Christ and not ourselves. And I'll show you what I mean as we go. Remember, it's by grace that we are saved and not by ourselves. And no good works get you saved. It's by the work of Jesus Christ. And these first three pieces of, of, of armor are a demonstration of God's grace and mercy and how much we need him. So the first piece that we're to put on is the belt of truth. And the reality is when the Roman soldier went to battle, his weaponry was attached to his belt. Other pieces of armor were attached to his belt. Everything about his uniform, everything was held together, fastened together, kept in place, firmly in place by the belt. It was the preeminent piece of armor that the Roman soldier wore. It was the belt. It was much like the policemen wear today. I, I, you know, if you know any policemen, they got every bit of their stuff wrapped around their waist. Sometimes I wonder where's the kitchen sink because they got so much stuff wrapped around on their belt. But the point is, even in our, even in the, our police, all of their weaponry is kept in place by the belt. Same thing was true in the Roman soldier. The breastplate was held in place by the belt. All sorts of things were held together by the belt. And if he didn't have the belt, he was sloppy. If he didn't have the belt, he was unprepared. If he didn't have the belt, he was not equipped. If he did not have the belt, he could not use his weaponry properly. He couldn't get to it when he needed. It'd be dragging or it'd be bouncing or he wouldn't have access to it at all. The belt was the most important part of the of the soldier's uniform. It's why it's number one. And and the the parallel to that is number one as well. And the belt that we're talking about is the belt of truth. The belt of truth. Without the belt, the soldier, like I said, was sloppy. And without the belt, he couldn't win. In the same way, Paul said, if you want to win... You've got to put on the belt of truth. The truth must surround you. The truth must wrap around you. The truth must support you and embrace you. The truth must hold everything together. Because here's his point. Without the truth, nothing else that I talk about matters. Without the truth, nothing else in your life will work. Without the truth, without coming to the truth, without it being wrapped around your mind, fastened around your mind, fastened around your heart, without the truth being put in place and holding everything together, your life will fail. If you're, if the truth, the truth, this and Jesus Christ isn't wrapped around your marriage, it will fall apart. If it's not wrapped around your mind, your mind will fall apart. It'll go cuckoo and not for cocoa puffs. The reality is the truth must be wrapped around our lives and it must be fixed in place. Immovable. It holds everything else together. The truth, church, is Jesus Christ. It must surround us. It holds everything together and it keeps everything in place. As you all know, we're living in a society, church, where no one lives by absolute truth anymore. No, there is no right or wrong, it seems like, in our society. There's no up, there's no down, there's no left, there's no right, there's no black, there's no white, there's no... It's everybody does what's right in their own eyes, church. And everyone's doing uh, what they what they think is right instead of having an absolute truth established in their life. And the reality is all of those individuals are clinging to a lie. How many of you know, church, that this that Satan, like I read, Satan is a liar, the Bible says. 
In John 8, 44, Jesus says that the devil is a liar. As a matter of fact, he called him the father of lies. Jesus said that Satan's native language is that of lying. That's all he speaks. He'll change his language to fool you. He'll change his language to entice you. But his native language, the Bible says, Jesus said, is that of a lie. So every time he speaks, you better understand that he's lying into your life. So what we've got to make sure, church, the only way, listen, the only way we can overcome our enemy, who is a liar, is through Jesus Christ, who is the truth. You get the, you get the process that I'm saying here? The only way that you can defeat the enemy in your life, the only way you can defeat the liar and overcome the lies of the enemy and overcome the lies of the adversary and all the things that he's doing to deceive you, the only way that you can overcome that is to have the belt of truth wrapped around your life. And the belt of truth is Jesus Christ. He is the one that holds it all together. He is the one that makes everything else work. Listen, you can't even go to stage two when it comes to the breastplate of righteousness. Because when it comes to the breastplate of righteousness, that too has to be put on by Jesus Christ. We cannot put on our own righteousness. The Bible says that our righteousness is like filthy rags. The Bible says that we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory or the righteousness of God. You understand what I'm saying, church? The Bible tells us that there are none that are righteous. No, not one. Jesus has to put on our righteousness. Jesus not only is the truth, Jesus is our righteousness. You can't put on truth by yourself. You did not, you can't come, you can't create truth. You can't develop truth. You can't manufacture truth. You can't, you, you, you can't change truth. You might disagree with it, but it's still truth. The reality is Jesus is truth. And without Jesus, we won't win. Without the truth being established, we won't win. Without believing the truth and receiving the truth, you can't even get to the breastplate of righteousness. You see, the reality is the truth is not a lie, not a fabrication. The truth is all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The truth is, the wages of sin is death. I know a lot of people don't believe it. I know a lot of people don't receive it. I know a lot of people don't accept it, but it's truth. The truth is that we have all sinned. The truth is that our righteousness is like filthy rags. You understand what I'm saying? If you don't come to the truth, you'll never get the breastplate of righteousness put on your life. And until you come to the the truth and, and receive the truth that I'm a sinner and I need grace... I'm a sinner and I need Jesus Christ. The blood and the breastplate of righteousness can't be applied to my life. I can't apply it myself because my righteousness stinks. It's like filthy rags. It's worth garbage, is what Paul is saying. We need God to put on the breastplate of righteousness through His Son, Jesus Christ. Listen, Romans 3.22 tells us that Jesus, through Jesus Christ, we have become the righteousness of God. Not of ourselves. It's through the work of Jesus Christ. Listen, there's nothing you can do on your own that grants you access to God. Nothing you can do on your own. No work. Nothing you can do except receive the truth and receive the, the blood of Christ. There's nothing you can do that can cause you to stand blameless before God with great joy. Unless you have on the breastplate of righteousness. It's the thing that enables you to stand before God blameless with great joy. It's His righteousness. It's His works. Listen, it's not what you and I did. It's not what you and I do. It's what Christ has already done. He died on the cross. He shed His blood. He became a sacrifice. That's what this whole thing about the breastplate of righteousness. We must have on Christ. 
We must have on His blood. We must have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And we must now carry His righteousness upon our heart. I don't want to get too far off because I don't have a lot more time. But when the death plague went through Egypt, the the houses that did not have the blood upon the house were judged, destroyed. Those that had the blood on the doorpost, those that had the, the blood on the mantle, those that you might say had the breastplate of righteousness put in place, they were spared. And the reality is, unless we have upon the hearth of our heart a breastplate of righteousness, not only are we vulnerable to the attack of the devil, we are vulnerable to the judgment of God. It's the truth. The devil will beat you up all your life long without the breastplate of righteousness. And then when you go through life and you stand before the Father, then His wrath and His judgment falls on you too. You see... If you, if you try to walk in your own righteousness, everything the devil throws at you will make its way through. All of his accusations, all of his lies, everything that he throws will penetrate your own righteousness because it's like filthy rags. But when you got the, the breastplate of righteousness of Christ upon your life, it doesn't matter what the devil throws at you because there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. It bounces off. And then when you stand before the Lord, the trumpet sounds and we find ourselves standing before the Lord. You know what he looks for? He looks for the breastplate of righteousness. He looks for the blood that has been applied to your heart. And then, well done. Come on in. We cannot enter in. We cannot win today and we cannot win eternally without the breastplate of Christ's work upon our lives. It's a process, church. But first, you've got to accept the truth. Put on the truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness, both which are a work of Jesus Christ. And then we put on the third piece, which I'll close with. We are to put on the gospel shoes, I call them. The good old gospel shoes. Our feet should be shod in readiness and preparation of the gospel, the Bible, uh, the Bible says. And here's what I want you to understand about this. This whole war that I'm talking about, this whole battle that I'm talking about is a battle between two kingdoms. It's a battle between the kingdom of darkness and it's a battle between the kingdom of light. And this whole war is waging just because of that. What the devil doesn't want to happen, like I said earlier, is for the kingdom of light to advance. He doesn't want the kingdom of God to advance. He doesn't want the gospel, listen, which is the power of God unto salvation. He doesn't want this being preached. He doesn't want this being and taught. He doesn't want this being advanced. He don't want no missionary going across the seas like our pastor is in Africa. He wants to shut this up and shut this down. It's what the whole war is about. Because this is what will save a soul. This is what will snatch a life out of darkness, out of miry clay, out of a pit. This is what will bring a soul home to Jesus Christ and God. It's what the battle is all about. So listen, if we want to win, if we want the kingdom to advance, if we want to move on and, and, and defeat the enemy, we better tie on these shoes, Jesus says. Shoes that can carry the gospel wherever God tells you to carry them. Whether it's to work, whether it's to a strange land, 
Whether it's to a restaurant, whether it's to a next door neighbor, whether it's to a long lost relative, I don't care. God said, you got to get these shoes on you so that you can carry my gospel. And as I begin to wind it down, here's what I want you to see. See, here's what I want you to understand. When Paul wrote this letter, I don't want to rush, but when Paul wrote this letter, he was in prison. He was a, he was in a Roman prison chained to a Roman soldier. Everywhere that Paul wanted to go, a Roman soldier went with him. He was changed. The whole time he was in prison, all Paul ever saw was, was armor. Everywhere Paul went, he saw the Roman soldier's armor. Everything that he's talking about here is representative of a Roman soldier's armor. And when he talked about, when he was laying in his prison bed, he would see the armor laying there beside him from the soldier that was watching over him at that moment. And then he would watch the soldier put his armor all on when he was called off to duty. He watched it. And so Paul said, look, I'm writing this letter because the people I'm writing to understand the same thing. They can make a parallel. So when he talked about these boots, he was talking about what was called the caliga, which was the military boot of the Romans. And it was said to be such an important part. It was such to be such an important part of their uniform. It's actually recorded in history that, that was saying that their boots was what enabled them to win all their wars and expand their territory because of the boots. The boots were designed in such a way that it would enable them to walk firm, stand firm, climb over difficult terrain, walk through marshy terrain. The boots is, is what was said to actually uh, the secret of the Roman conquest. And, and Paul wanted to liken the gospel boots to that same thing. That you've got to put on these boots because there's some dangerous terrain you're going to have to walk over. You've got to put on these boots so you can stand firm, like I said about earlier, so that when the, the enemy comes against you, you won't be knocked off your ground. And this is, this is what he was trying to relate to them, that there's something special about these shoes. And here's where I want to begin to close. In Re- Revelations 12:11, it says that they, meaning the disciples, meaning all those that went before us, they overcame by the blood of the Lamb, which we already talked about, being applied to our heart, and the word of their testimony. And here's what I want you to see. The word of their testimony. So often we think that passage to mean me just telling a good story of just telling a good story, and I'm not taking anything away from, from it, but a lot of times it's more about us than it's about God. And here's the point. The word of our testimony is, has nothing to do with what we've done in life. The word of our testimony has nothing to do with our accomplishments. It has nothing to do with our failures. It has everything to do with the work of Jesus Christ. I already said it. It has everything to do with what Jesus did. Jesus, again, is the word of our testimony. Listen, without Jesus, you don't got a testimony. Without the work that Jesus has done in your lives, in your lives, in my life, we don't have a testimony. If Jesus wouldn't have gone to the cross, we don't have a testimony. What I'm talking about, the word of our testimony is all about him. It's, it's his light that brought us out of our darkness. That's what we need to understand. It's his grace that found, the, found its way to the bottom of our sea, just like it did with Jonah, and it brought us out. The word of our testimony is Jesus Christ again. And I cut some stuff out, but my point is simply this. We must, we must be willing to go wherever God asks us to go. And when we go, we don't take our own word. We take the word of our testimony, which is Jesus Christ. So the boots are a double meaning here. We need the boots to go where God calls us to do, because not only does the word 
save others, it carries us. Okay, it is a lamp unto our feet, it's a light unto our path. Not only do we, not only, we need the Word to carry us and to keep us from slipping and stumbling and falling, but we're also supposed to carry the Word because it's going to save the lost. And it's what helps us win the war. So I'm ending with that because what, all I want you to see today is that Paul said, if you want to win, there's three things you've got to let me do in your life, or God do in your life. The, the first three things that you got to put on are all about Jesus. You got to put on the belt, you got to put on the breastplate, and you got to be willing to put on the gospel shoes. When you put on those things, you are fit for a good work. There's other things that you need to take up, but here's what I'm closing. How many of you want to be prepared for the battle? How many of you want to be fit? How many of you are willing to stand up and say, God, I want to be properly prepared for the battle. If that's you, I just want you to stand to your feet. And here's what we're going to do. We're just going to say, God, fit me. Fit me properly. You know, when you go to a tailor and you buy a new suit and it's all baggy and it doesn't fit, you have it fitted to you. And here's what I want you to do tonight. God, fit me. Whatever you have to do in my life, if you don't have Jesus, you need Jesus. If, if he's not covering your heart, you need to let him cover your heart. If you've been sitting at home and leaving the battle to somebody else and not willing to take the fight to where it needs to go, God, put on my shoes and help me fight the fight. So let that be your prayer to be prepared for victory. Father God, I thank you once again for your word. I thank you, Father God, for everything that you have taught us this evening. I thank you, Father God, that you've given us the... Uh, the outline, you've given us what we need, God, to be able to succeed in our Christian walk in order to overcome the enemy, in order to be victorious in our lives. You've taught us how we can be strong in the Lord and in the power of your might, and it's by putting on the full armor of God. It's by first putting on Jesus Christ. It's by first wrapping ourselves with truth and receiving it and let it, let it, letting it be fixed in our lives. God, if your word's not fixed in our lives, if we've been living a lie or walking a lie or, or just cultivating a lie, I pray in the name of Jesus that your truth would become fixed in our lives, that you would be established, that you would be wrapped around us, God, that you would be the, the path that we walk on, that your truth would order our footsteps. I pray that you would cover our hearts, God, that your righteousness, God, your blood, your sacrifice would be applied to our hearts, God, so that we might be equipped in battle because when the devil comes against us he'll win but when the devil comes against you he loses you are our victory we are more than conquerors through jesus christ so be fixed and established in our lives and once god we have those elements in place i pray that you would equip us and empower us to pick up the gospel put on the shoes and fight for those that need it Guide us, lead us, strengthen us, empower us, I pray, O oh God, to bring victory, not only to our lives, but to those who need it as well. Help us to put on the full armor of God so that we can stand and not be moved. And all of God's people said, Amen. Can we just bless the Lord tonight, church, for His Word? Amen. Be blessed and make sure that you put on the 